A1 Custom Car Care, all of your car care needs. Not a bad gift idea. It may not be the funnest thing in the world, but couldn't that be what makes it a great gift? Particularly if you have kids that are in college. Routine maintenance, oil change, help them keep on top of it. That can extend, of course, the life and the, the overall performance of the vehicle. And being at college, universities, it's all about learning. And so these are the lessons that oftentimes get overlooked. I know I wasn't the best about it when I was young and in college, didn't worry about it. And I paid dearly for it oftentimes, ended up spending a lot more than I otherwise would have had to have. So good lesson to pass down. I know not everyone shows their child how to change oil any longer, how to change a tire any longer, or you can at least show them how to how to be responsible by taking their vehicle in for routine maintenance at A1 Custom Car Care. I mentioned the AP story earlier. Biden goes into the 2024 election with the economy getting stronger, but voters don't feel it. One of the quotes was from Democratic pollster Selinda Lake, who's worked with Biden, saying things are getting better, but people think things are getting worse, and that's the most dangerous piece of this. Honestly, I'm kind of mystified by it. What they continue to note is that, well, unemployment's lower, and that the rate of inflation has been coming down. Now, that, of course, doesn't mean prices are coming down, but what it also means is that prices are they're still going up. And there have been these... somewhat rhetorical questions that are trying to answer the divide between what the experts say is a good economy versus what you and I feel. And this attempt to to figure out how to translate to us in a way that we'll understand and appreciate that things are doing well. Now, what is the point in having any sort of economic gauge that is for the consumption of the American people? I mean, ultimately, what, what part of, maybe this is a better way to put it, what part of, what, what, what spoke in the economic wheel is what matters to you. Well, I think that for most Americans, it's what affects us. It's what impacts us. But that, it doesn't appear to be of importance to the experts, which is why there's a great deal of frustration for Democrats right now, because don't you understand the economy's good? What difference does that make? What your definition, of you, you craft this definition of a wonderful, strong economy, but if my quality of life continues to get diminished because my buying power continues to get diminished, what do I care what your, your, your little definition of a good economy is? That doesn't impact me. Not in a way that's meaningful or beneficial. It, it, it gives insight into the arrogance because if you notice they, they're just not listening 
They're not listening. Like they're, they're telling us the economy's good, but then they can't figure out why it is that we don't. And, and you see this written, these experts, we just don't understand. Oh, it just doesn't make any sense. Well, then you're not listening. <laughs> I don't know how much more the American people can tell you. I saw, I mean, just this headline um, today, viral video shows Young Americans enraged by inflation, finding helpful grocery hacks beyond tough times. There was uh, an article in these pop up, these viral videos, and it's of real people telling you exactly what the problem is. This is how little they listen. You know, it's pretty profound, something that we have um, to talk about today is a whole article, Planned Parenthood endorsing Crystal Oh, okay, well, good. Like, how do you run? How do you run when you're part, when you, all around you, Americans are screaming, sometimes literally, into their camera with videos about what is going wrong, why it is that we are unhappy, how these policies are negatively affecting us, and it's just like, we're just going to keep marching on. I, I don't understand how anyone can, in good conscience, run to support policies that everyone around is explaining this is very harmful to us. Stop it. Oh, just say that the other guy's a dictator and Hitler, and then that'll do it. Well, that makes every, you know, calling somebody Hitler didn't help cover groceries for the average person that they were able to buy two years ago. Never, never worked that way. Claiming that Republicans are racist and dictators... has never brought down the rate of inflation. Claiming that democracy as we know it will end has never helped a single mom with her grocery bills. Yet you have a political party that that is their entire approach. Oh, and then they support the right, you know, well, you know. <laughs> I suppose their approach, their solution is, well, you get pregnant, just kill your kid. Then you don't have to worry about feeding them. I suppose there is at least that. And of course, in the newsleader piece, that's, that's the big lead. Right, this amazing disconnect and, and the refusal of elites and experts to listen to people who are telling you But you don't know what you're talking about, see. Latest news update. Good morning, everyone. From Color 10 Studios, I'm Angela Luna. A jury trial will be held today for a Camden County woman accused of child abuse. Amanda Turbrock was charged after police were called because a child in her care had burns that were not being treated. Turbrock told police the burns were from the child tripping and falling into a wood-burning stove. The child was taken to the hospital and it was found that the burn was becoming infected and did not have use of their hand. 
The jury trial is expected to finish by Friday. And a five-day jury trial will begin today for a Camden County man charged with sex crimes against a child. Trayvon Isaacs is accused of soliciting pictures from an underage girl on social media and committing statutory rape. Investigators say Isaacs admitted to the act knowing the girl was underage. From Color 10 Studios, I'm Angela Luna. The first alert forecast sponsored by St. Clair of the Ozarks Home Improvements from Color 10 Fox 49. Meteorologist Tom Schmidt, sunny 56 today. Clouds tonight, 37, mostly cloudy tomorrow with a high of 53. All right, everyone. Sarah Myers. Thank you. Well, I spoke to Josh from the uh, Pyramid Roofing Company on Friday, and we talked about kind of that myth that you can't get a new roof uh, whenever it's wintertime. And there are some kind of regulations, stipulations to get that new roof during the winter months. But if you have been thinking, you know, I've got some yellowing on my ceiling or my gutters are just not keeping up. I know I have damage from some of the storms from the summer and you're thinking, well, maybe I'm just going to wait until springtime because that's kind of the time to go ahead and get a roof. Right now is a great time to give Josh and the team over at the Pyramid Roofing Company a call. They can come out. They'll do that uh, roof inspection for you. They'll take tons of photos and videos. uh, And I love that because they're able to not only show you exactly what's going on, but it kind of helps better explain. And then they work through that process with you. Uh, and they're going to be upfront and honest as well. Maybe you are in a situation where you don't need a whole new roof, or maybe it is time to go ahead and get that. Whatever the situation is, the Pyramid Roofing Company, they have got you covered. Now, you can give Josh and his team a call today. You can find all of that contact information for the Pyramid Roofing Company under the Sarah's Endorsements tab at ksgf.com. And uh, speaking of Pyramid Roofing Company, they are one of the two sponsors, along with Barker's Frame and Collision, for First Responders Breakfast at Scram. Gamblers this Friday. So if you're a first responder, come by and get yourself free breakfast. See the way I tied that in? Good job. A magical. A magical. So the White House um, did end up holding a Hanukkah ceremony. There were reports that perhaps they were not going to at one point. They held one last night, but apparently there were families of American Israeli hostages held captive in Gaza, and they asked the White House for an invitation to the celebration. And they have said they were just ignored. At the same time, Doug Emhoff, who is the husband of Kamala Harris, must be very proud of that, posted a picture of himself and Vice President Kamala Harris lighting the first candle of the menorah with the following. The story of Hanukkah and the story of the Jewish people has always been one of hope and resilience. In the Hanukkah story, the Jewish people were forced into hiding. No one thought that they would survive or that the few drops of oil they had would last. A number of historians and Jewish people mocked, ridiculed, and criticized Doug Imhoff for a post that clearly demonstrated not only did he does not have an understanding as to what Hanukkah is, but decided to just post anyway. The post has since been removed. Now, here's the thing. I understand people not knowing the meaning behind a holiday, Hanukkah, for example. This is just one of the really interesting character traits of people on the left. Is that So, so many of us, if we're going to post something that we don't really have a grasp or understanding on, or if we're going to talk about or try and relay information, most of us try to find out you know, learn about the subject matter, even if it's very short and brief. If anything, because we don't want to look like idiots. 
This is not a thought that ever crosses the mind of people on the left. I really genuinely cannot. Do you just make things up? Do you just say, well, I heard it was this. I don't I don't really know for sure. I, I just can't imagine if I'm going to post something about a holiday that is not of my religion, not researching it first and instead going. And I do wonder, where did he get this? Did he did he ask someone? Did he Google it? But even then. So that being said, many of you may not actually know the meaning behind the, the lighting of the menorah, know, know exactly what this means from a historical perspective. You're probably also not out there posting as if you do know. There is a, who posted this? Dave Rubin. He posted about a three-minute explanation as to what the meaning actually is. And I thought it was, I thought it was a really great, very simple breakdown. A lot of times these things can be very confusing. They get in the weeds. This is actually posted specifically. He's mentioning the Hamas squad, uh, Ilan Omar and, and those sorts of, of individuals. And so this, this is a posting, a video that he made directed at them. Uh, so you'll hear the reference. And there are a couple of different sound effects in it because there are visuals as well. But I thought I'd play it for you because it is interesting for those who may not know. And plus, it's just a good thing to know. As Jews all over the world celebrate Hanukkah in the Jewish year of 5784, I'd like to tell a little story to Rashida Tlaib and her friends in the Hamas caucus. This is the story of how a small group of Jews defend the ancient homeland of Israel from foreign invaders. So Rashida, bust out your favorite dreidel, sit back and allow me to recount the story of Hanukkah. Long ago, in 168 BCE, the land of Israel was ruled by a wicked king named Antiochus Epiphanes. King Antiochus counted many Jews amongst his subjects. Like so many of us today, our Jewish ancestors lived their lives according to Jewish custom and tradition. They celebrated Shabbat and marked the festivals of Passover, Sukkot, and Shavuot. Unlike us, though, our Jewish ancestors worshipped at the ancient temple in the city of Jerusalem. This temple was the holiest of holy places, the center of Jewish life. But King Antiochus did not want to rule over a nation of many religions and many cultures. He wanted to rule one nation with one religion and one culture. He wanted all of the people in his land to live the way he lived and pray the way he prayed, according to Greek customs. This meant that he did not want the Jewish people to dress differently, worship differently, or eat differently. Under King Antiochus, the practice of Judaism was completely abolished. He forbade the Jews from celebrating Shabbat and observing the festivals. He also forbade the Jews from reading or studying the Torah. But perhaps worst of all, King Antiochus forbade Jewish worship in the temple, turning the holy temple into a place that became very unholy, making a real mess by setting up idols and altars to Greek gods inside. Many Jews were afraid for their lives, so they felt forced to follow the king's orders. But one group of brave souls decided they would not submit to the king. They would not worship foreign gods or give up their Jewish way of life. This group was called the Maccabees, and they were determined to take back their temple and defend their religious freedom. 
The Maccabees were led at first by a man named Mattathias, and later by his son Judah. Compared with the king's army, they were small in number, but they were mighty in spirit. With faith and a relentless determination as their guides, the Maccabees won a stunning victory over the king's army. The Maccabees successfully took back the temple from King Antiochus, but they were heartbroken to discover that the king had not taken care of their holy space. So they cleaned up the temple, removed all foreign idols and altars the king had set up, and they decided to light a menorah, an oil-burning lamp. As the story goes, they only had enough oil to burn for one day, but miraculously, the oil lasted for eight days and eight nights. That is why we celebrate Hanukkah for eight days, lighting another candle in the menorah each night to remember the miracle and the triumph of the Jews. Today, our celebration of Hanukkah lasts eight days in honor of the miracles that occurred so many years ago. With every Hanukkah candle we light, we remember the most important message of all, that we must always work to find light in the darkness and keep the light of religious freedom burning for all people and all time. So for all the Jews out there and for Rashida Tlaib, happy Hanukkah. There you go, in three and a half minutes. Now you know more of Hanukkah, if you did not already, than the folks in the White House responsible for tweeting out Information about Hanukkah. Springfield's Talk 1041. I'm Nick Reed. <laughs> A group of pro Hamas protesters stormed the Capitol yesterday. This is something they've done before, but clearly, uh, when you are allowed to do such things you know they're not trump supporters they're some more supporters of terrorism of of hamas and so you have certain rights in this country that trump supporters do not they occupied the atrium of the Hart senate office building just steps from the u.s capitol monday morning they forced the capitol to be shut down from the public and uh, uh, they're arguing that any aid to Israel is killing, bombing Palestinians. It's the same sort of anti-Semitic propaganda that we constantly hear from the terrorist. You, you would just, I, there are some very simple observations that I think the average person can make to get a sense of whether or not it is wise to call for ceasefires if it is wise to call for an end to the bombing and that is what is it the terrorists want what is it that the terrorists want the individuals who are responsible for all of this for one of the most horrific attacks that we've seen in our lives and for the purpose of being as horrific as possible this wasn't as if they had one or two crazies amongst them they're like whoa man he just went a little overboard i mean we're crazy but not that crazy that was the point they want a ceasefire what does that tell us when the people who want all of the Jews killed, when the people who want all of the people with Western values killed, that would just as soon as seen you could, the people who execute homosexuals, 
just because, doing so by throwing them off buildings as an example to everyone else. They want a ceasefire. What does that tell you? It isn't difficult to figure out that the people whose number one goal is the, 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 the darkest, most evil destruction of human beings that do not comply with their way of thinking, that the demands they are making to further that cause, right? they, they've not hidden this. This is the remarkable thing about it. It isn't as if Hamas is saying, oh, let's have a ceasefire and you know what? We won't do this again. They're fully letting the world know that they're going to do even greater harm than was done on October 7th. That you ain't seen nothing yet. So it isn't as if we can say, listen, Hamas, they uh, they see that they went too far here and they want to cease fire and they're willing to coexist. They've seen that their approach was the wrong approach and, and they're just wanting to, to hit that reset button and to figure out a way to live peacefully together. That's not what they're saying. They're saying, oh, we're just getting started. Although it would be an extremely naive and dangerous approach to argue on behalf of Hamas's request, if they at least were arguing that they've changed their mind and want peace, that, that would be to still side with them would be dangerously naive. But at least you could potentially argue, hey, it's worth it. If they're telling the truth, it's worth it. But they're not claiming that they want this peace. They're not claiming that we were wrong. We shouldn't have gone about doing it that way. They are fully saying we're going to do more of it. And to side with them as strategically, they are saying, here's what we, we want to cease fire. To side with them on that? And that's what you think about that perspective and the people who are demanding compliance with the terrorist organization Hamas, how they get treated when they storm government buildings versus the way Trump supporters get treated. What does that tell you about this administration? Springfield's Talk 104.1. I'm Nick Reed. You know Dasher and Dancer and Prancer and Vixen. First alert forecast sponsored by Wolfpack Cleaners, your residential and commercial cleaning professionals from Color 10, Fox 49, meteorologist Tom Schmidt. Sunshine today with a high of 56, clouds 37 tonight, tomorrow mostly cloudy 53. And of course, I want a great homeloan.com for all of your home loan needs before you even begin to look for that new home. Maybe you see the... Uh, the open house on Sunday from two to four. And, oh, you've always just loved that house when you drove by it. And you're not looking to move, but hey, 
we got a chance to check it out. Oh, and then you fall in love with it. Oh my gosh, let's put a bid in on this. But you have to wait until Monday. You have to wait until uh, the the bank opens or wherever it is that you get your work done. First off, you got to go to IWantAGreatHomeLoan.com. That is your go-to. Wherever you, you normally do your banking, wherever you normally do any of that stuff, just I'm telling you, I want a great homeloan.com for your home loan needs. Secondly, do it before that Sunday open house. That way, if, even if you aren't planning on it, you find the house, or better yet, your wife tells you that you have found the house, you can get it taken care of then and there because you have that, that approval letter. I want a great homeloan.com because you do. Uh, someone uh, texted in on the American Transmissions talk and text line. I read that many Hamas fighters are surrendering because they haven't heard from their leaders in a long time. How are the Israelis making sure that Hamas leaders aren't escaping with the refugees? I don't know the answer to that. I don't trust anything that Hamas does. I suspect that Israel probably also takes a cautious approach. Uh, could this be a form of a Trojan horse scenario? Now, it could be. Just what it seems. This could be a scenario in which the Israelis have been very good at taking out some of the leadership and you have these individuals that are sitting there and they don't have anyone directing anything in terms of supplies. And when you are rudderless, you have no leadership, you begin to, you know, what, what are we doing? Uh, you know, it's one thing to put our lives on the line if we feel as if we are marching towards the success of our goal, but we aren't marching anywhere now because we aren't hearing anything from leadership. And so that morale breakdown could lead to these sorts of surrenders, or it could be something else. It could be something else entirely. It, it, this could be part of the continued plan. At the same time, you could have Hamas leadership not worry about it too much because what just happened recently? Because of pressure from a number of countries, including the United States, some of the previous terrorists that, we, that, that the Israelis held prisoner, they had to swap them, release them. Three for one. So this could very well be viewed even by those who are surrendering or perhaps if someone is ordering the surrender to occur as a short-term problem. Given the fact that hostages were, and, and I mean, this is the pattern. How is it that the terrorist got their prisoners released last time? Well, you go on a, murderous, psychopathic rampage, you kidnap a bunch of innocent people, and then you demand that, that, that your terrorists get released. This is all part of the repeat cycle. So there's a very good chance that these individuals, while they're surrendering, and an optimistic view is that they think we're losing this thing, we're in trouble, and so we're going to surrender. It's just hard for me to believe that you're going to have surrendering from people who believe that, I mean, their number one goal and true belief is you have to die. These are, you know, the Jewish people have to die. Israel has to die. And these terrorists are willing to die for it. Why would they surrender? If these are individuals that are willing to give up their lives 
and and you know it's all part of the great cause it just seems inconsistent to then um surrender to these horrible awful evil jewish people not that it is impossible but you just i i think you when dealing with organizations like Hamas have to think of the worst case scenario. What is the worst thing that can come out of this? And then just assume that's the direction things are going to go. The best, the best outcome is that these individuals just absolutely, truly realize this isn't great. We're in trouble. We need to surrender. We need to surrender to the Jews. To me, that is the least likely scenario. But you never know. Things happen. After the UPenn president stepped down, there, of course, have been calls for MIT, Harvard University presidents to step down because of what played out last week in questioning regarding anti-Semitism on their campuses. As I've noted, and I'm sure many others have as well, that this is not a head of the snake sort of situation where, oh, cut off the head of the snake and it solves the problem. This is a, a cultural problem. They, they are the result of the problem. They are a symptom of the problem. The problem is, is this CRT, DEI, white privilege. It is the, the pitting of groups of people against one another. It is a culture. It is a culture. And it doesn't matter who you put in charge of these universities. As long as you still have schools like Springfield Public School busing kids of color over to MSU to be told about white privilege and how awful they have. And you just indoctrinate young people who eventually will end up on these college campuses to see us versus them and everything. You're going to continue to see the sort of hate that we have seen on these college campuses. That being said... President Claudine Gay of Harvard University, things are not going well for her because she is now getting called out for apparent Biden-level plagiarism in which not once, not twice, but on numerous occasions, paragraphs, entire paragraphs in her writings, they're quote finding to have been plagiarized and the reason i say quote finding is because i have absolutely no doubt that anyone and everyone who was responsible for the hiring of claudine gay as president of harvard knew that this plagiarist they, they did not hire her because they thought that she had a brilliant mind they did not hire her because they thought that these writings of hers were authentic. Now, donors, of course, yanking hundreds of millions of dollars in future gifts to UPenn. That re that's why Liz McGill was forced to resign past Saturday. Things continue to go poorly for Gay as well. Sunday, it was reported that journalist Chris Rufo had evidence that she might have plagiarized parts of her PhD dissertation which would violate Harvard's policies on academic integrity. Academic integrity. 
The news was even worse yesterday for Gay as a new report alleges that scholars reviewing her work found dozens more examples of plagiarism in her past. Rufo's examples are just the tip of the iceberg. It was reported in four articles published between 1993 and 2017, including her dissertation. Gay paraphrased or quoted almost 20 authors without proper attribution, in some cases lifting entire paragraphs verbatim. The article lists numerous examples of Gay, quote, borrowing other people's work, presenting it as her own. And then, you know, a number of the stories show what, you know, here's, here is the original, here is her cut and paste. And now the National Association of Scholars, NAS, has called for the removal of Harvard President Gay following the allegations of plagiarism, not the anti-Semitism that, you know, they're okay with, but it's the apparent plagiarism, which again, uh, trust me, this is not a surprise. In an open letter released yesterday, the National Association of Scholars said that Claudine Gay's botched testimony before Congress on December 5th, wherein she refused to say the calling for genocide of Jews violated Harvard's policy on uh, harassment, made her unworthy of her administrative position. Continuing, Gay is at the center of controversy that followed her December 5th testimony to the House Committee on Education and the Workforce, in which she found herself unable to give clear answers to questions about what Harvard could or would do in response to calls for genocide against Jews. The letter then cited her shoddy professional work and a record of plagiarism. It also cited her promotion of racial policies, none of which apparently were a problem up until now. This all boils down to money. And I suspect that they don't feel that the anti-Semitism angle is enough to force her out. So they are bringing up what I'm sure that they have all known. They didn't just magically find all of this stuff out. All of these different instances of plagiarism, all of these different instances of, quote, shoddy professional work, all of these instances of, of racial policies. As Dean and then President Gay has been accused of bullying colleagues. Suppressing free speech, overseeing a racist admission policy, and most recently failing to stand up to anti-Semitism, the part that we already know. So none of this is a secret. It's just with the threat of loss of dollars. They are pulling all of that out, all of those resources, as a means to get rid of her, in my assessment. With that much plagiarism, perhaps she can run for president of the United States. At least get the Democratic nomination. Springfield's Talk 1041. I'm Nick Reed. KSGF.com. You can sign up to win a pizza party from Godfather's Pizza. Boy, do they have great pizzas. Some of my favorite. True story, like Joe Biden. Except for when I say true story, it is a true story. Ain't lying, man. They have four locations, and they do delivery from these four store locations. You've got Springfield, you have Nixa, you have Ozark, and you have Battlefield. Something for you to keep in mind. You don't want to go get it. They do delivery. Allegations of anti-Semitism and sexual harassment led to the ouster of an Iranian professor at Oberlin College. 
which is based in Ohio. They have removed Mohammad Jafar Mahalati, a former Iranian regime official and religion professor from his teaching position following a three-year campaign by Iranian Americans to get rid of him. This is another one of those instances where the inconvenience of people paying attention to this stuff, it's, it's beginning to have an impact on many of these colleges that have willfully employed anti-Semitic people but now they're not able to hide it as easily and in some instances are having to get rid of these people. And in the case of Oberlin College, Iranian Americans have been trying for years to get rid of this guy, have been, have been pressuring Oberlin because of his apparent hand in you know, human atrocities while working for the Iranian regime. The campaign aimed to address Mahalati's uh, alleged involvement in covering up the mass murder of over 5,000 Iranian political prisoners in 1988. Andrea Samakis, a spokesperson for Oberlin College, confirmed to Fox News Digital that Professor Mayalati was placed on indefinite administrative leave on November 28th. Last month, it was reported that Mahalati, Iran's former uh, UN ambassador, was under investigation by the U.S. Department of Education Office of Civil Rights for subjecting Jewish students to harassment, including defending the designated terrorist organization Hamas. In response to the mounting allegations, the college removed his profile from its website, then deleted a fact sheet that reportedly downplayed his crimes against humanity, anti-Semitism, and genocidal rhetoric targeting one of the religious communities in Iran. So this is a guy who for years Iranian Americans have been, have been submitting to Oberlin College, this guy has a hand in the murder of 5,000 Iranian political dissidents. He openly is anti-Semitic to Jewish students, defending Hamas's desire and actions in killing Jews. Three years. And just now. They even, prior to this, sanitized their apparent downplaying of his hand in these these offenses, if you want to call them such. Doesn't quite cover it, but nonetheless. When you're beginning to understand, I know many of you do, I, I, I think though it is a wake-up call to a lot of Americans how bad it is, how brazen so many of these colleges and universities have been about employing people that do not hide their anti-Semitism. This is why I note that getting simply getting rid of university presidents, that is not the head of the snake. The head of the snake is the culture, which unfortunately is a much, much, much more difficult thing to undo. We have a lot of work on our hands in America if we want to steer, start steering away from this portion of history that in the last 100 years has been seen on full display and the world promised never again. Yet here we are. Springfield's Talk 104.1. I'm Nick Reed. <laughs>
A New Hampshire man has been arrested after allegedly threatening to kill presidential candidate Vivek Ramaswamy and supporters. At an event Monday, newly released court records show campaign spokeswoman Trisha Laughlin said to ABC News were grateful to law enforcement for their swiftness and professionalism in handling this matter and pray for the safety of all Americans. The suspect is 30-year-old Tyler Anderson, who was first reported to law enforcement by Ramaswamy's campaign staff last week for allegedly sending a threatening message in response to a campaign text about an upcoming event. So I don't know if this is always the case, but if ever any of you have ever gotten any sort of these, what you call robo-texts, and you respond back to it thinking nobody sees it, at least apparently in some instances they do. Because the response back that was received by the Ramaswamy campaign from the 30-year-old read as follows, quote, Great. Another opportunity for me to blow Ramaswamy's brains out. I'm going to kill everyone who attends and then blank their corpses. The campaign text provided the location of where the Republican candidate would be at the Monday morning event in New Hampshire for a breakfast with voters. While authorities said Ramaswamy was not explicitly named as a target in the text, he was the only candidate with a listed event in Portsmouth on Monday. ABC confirmed that his campaign says he was the intended target of the threat. While the breakfast event still took place, there was a higher security presence than usual. You know, that makes that warning. We played uh, audio of a former FBI agent and his wife warning Ramaswamy a couple weeks ago at an event. I believe it was in Iowa, but it could have been New Hampshire, that he had better get some really good protection. The criminal complaint also accuses the suspect of sending more threatening messages to another candidate on Wednesday after the phone search allegedly unveiled a text reading, quote, hope you have the stamina for a mass shooting, though that candidate was not named. News in 60 seconds.